so hey everyone welcome back to the intersection unfortunately jamie and i were recording for 30 minutes before my clumsy ass realized that i never hit the record button which is so sad but luckily we got to know each other a little bit at least um welcome back Jamie Cho is a marketing lead and runs creator partnerships at Wilder. They're on a mission to like make social media a little bit more collaborative and positive, especially for like creators and people creating digital content. And she is also a part of this in-person co-working collaborative space in New York called Versi of unconventional entrepreneurs who genuinely want to make friends. And I'm excited to talk more about that. Um, she's worked on all types of different social platforms, including like dating stuff or networks for other creators to connect and um, all type of consumer social products over time. If you've been following this show, you may have noticed my interviews are tend to be one-sided and I just try to think super hard in advance of the right questions to ask, but I wanted to give this conversation the permission to be a little bit more like fluid. And uh, that being said, Jamie, welcome to the intersection again. Thank you, Matt. I'm excited to dive into this again. And it was like a good warm up to start the conversation without the recording. So let's get into it. How would you define the creator economy and how would you define like what that means to be a quote unquote creator? Yeah, so first thing I define a creator as anyone who creates digital content. So that could range anywhere from a 10 second TikTok to, you know, like a full length YouTube video or even a newsletter or a podcast like you're doing right now. Um, and I would count you as a creator for sure. Um, in terms of the creator economy, um, I define it as kind of the wild west um it's still a place that's being um, discovered and worked on right now the a good reason for why that is is because you'll find people on all ends of the spectrum in terms of like um are they creating content full-time or are they just doing this on the side doing it for fun um where um and also in terms of like income people are all over the place there are people making millions and millions of money like mr beast um who most people like to talk about when talking about the creator economy there's also um like 90 percent of people who aren't even creating um who aren't <laughs> who don't even have like more than a hundred thousand followers so um, the creator economy is super interesting in that there's so many different groups so many different niches and um, people on all ends of the spectrum in terms of like income following types of content. You talk about it being the Wild West because people are still trying to figure out exactly like what it is and what the what the different behaviors and use cases are. So like, what are you excited about the creator economy and how it's currently forming in real time? And, and what are, why are you excited about that? Yeah, I'm excited to see... Um, how creators are innovating in the way that they monetize. So right now, most um, creator monetization comes from ad revenue, um, which is very prominent on like YouTube. Um, and then the second thing is like brand sponsorships, brand partnerships um, that you can um, make a partnership with like a specific brand. Um, but I'm also interested in seeing like creator led um, brands that they make themselves. Like you're seeing Feastables from Mr. Beast. Um, Chamberlain Coffee from Emma Chamberlain. So those are things that I find super interesting, as well as any other types of income sources that newer creators are coming up with. So I'm excited to see the movement in that. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, there's more like 
this trend of creators taking their own agency, whether that's tools that help them handle the full spectrum of being a creator on the on the business side and the marketing side, or creators starting their own native platforms. Um, what do you think a creator needs to be successful on the business and the marketing side that might go over their head, but if they understood or could find something that would fit that need that they'd be more off to the races in sustaining their living? Yeah, um, I think number one priority for creators should be defining their niche. Um, and that niche almost becomes like a brand for them. Um, the reason for this is like, once you do find a niche, it's so much easier to scale your content. Um, it's really hard when you're a creator who's just making any type of content super broad. Um, whereas like if you have a defined niche, say for example, like you're a fitness creator, it'll be much easier for you to keep scaling your content as well as find brands who are aligned with your, um, type of content as well as, um, knowing how to like monetize that in the future. Well, we both already discussed this, but we're mutually really excited about this future where more <laughs> creators and creatives can fully sustain their living through their creative work without having to be famous or um, various stuff like that. So what do you think is going to take us there? Yeah, for sure. So I discussed before that in terms of statistics, um, only the top 4% of creators are actually making a livable income, which means that it's over the poverty, li poverty line, which is super interesting, um, knowing that there's like over 200 million creators out there in the whole world and only um, a very, very small portion of them are actually making money. So that that bringing into context, like why I'm so excited about democratizing access to creator monetization. Um for that to happen, I feel there's a couple of things like one, we need more tools that allow the smaller creators to get to the level where they can make um, more money, they can expose their content to more people and also get access um, to brands that will give them those kinds of sponsorships because right now it's it's really um, not standardized in like how brands approach creators slash how creators approach brands. So I think we just need to work more on standardizing what that process looks like, um, as well as, you know, giving creators access to these kinds of resources and information, um, which is why I think this podcast is super awesome, because any creators like watching this or listening to this, hopefully um, this will give you more insight into like how you can monetize your content right. or how you can scale your brand. Yeah. Yeah, any creators watching, which there are, I'm, I know the audience of this show has a lot of creators watching, consider Jamie and I your like consultants on this show today of like giving you some, some juice and some insight on how to uh, <laughs> handle, handle the business side in a, in a way that seems friendly and engaging. Because as far as I'm concerned, a lot of creators don't even want to approach thinking about the, the business side of, of what they do or, or the marketing side because they just feel like it's unnecessary. They don't even want to give a tool like what you're building or what we're building here at Rivet that tries to help creators sustain a living by introducing tools of technology that makes these things easy and simple. But I think there's a lot of my challenge on the marketing end is going to get people to even feel like it's worth it to try it out because they're previous experiences like this stuff is not me yeah for sure i i think we mentioned this before but 
a lot of creators get into this because they're so passionate about their work and what they're creating. And then once they actually start getting big enough, getting deals or like, oh, like I never signed up for this, like accounting, doing finances and stuff, um, which is super tough. I think when you do get to that point, it's really um, helpful to find people who can support you in that regard. Like I rely on a lot of my friends um, help to continue doing the work that I do. So getting that Mm. support network, I think, is super important, like making connections, um, which is why I think creating like a uh, creator community is also really important, like something that we want to do at Wilder as well because you learn from your friends you learn from your community that's actually a really interesting point and it's something i think about in the back of my head a lot because when i was in high school i was convinced i was going to be a rapper like we talked about and (laughs) one of the first things that happened or the only reason that journey ever really started was because friends of mine and then friends of my friends who became my friends all came together not as like a like a band or like a music group but just like a mutual support network and we would go to each other's shows and help show up each other's music videos and be in the crowd like you know trying to help each other out with whatever photo shoots da, 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 da. so what do you think like hmm how do we create more support systems like that or is it just kind of random well I think it isn't while it is important to create these kinds of support systems for people, um, sometimes the best connections happen spontaneously or randomly. Mm-hmm. Like you never know the types of people you'll meet. And a lot of the people that I'm friends with right now in my network, like I've met them from Twitter, which is pretty crazy mm-hmm. stuff. And I also met you from Twitter. So um, things like this happen oh, spontaneously. Oh, shit, you're right. I don't know why that went over yeah. my head. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, but for creating like the actual communities for people to learn from each other, um, I think, you know, like for C, like the group that I'm in is a great example of like, it was created with the intention of gathering together, like entrepreneurs and creatives from New York city. Um, so there's examples of both. There's like spontaneous communities that, you know, come to fruition, but there's also, um, intentional places like this, um, where it was created just for these kinds of people. Speaking of like spontaneous relationships, you're in right now, as we're recording, you're in this community called Versi, which is like a New York based physical community. And I've always been super passionate about this. I actually tried to start a co-working space when I was 19, literally with $0 because I was fed up with the ones that existed. So like, why are you so enthusiastic to be there? Because it seems like you really love that community. Yeah, I love this question. Um, And I I love this community primarily because this is where I built like most of my friendships and most of my network coming straight out of college. Um, you know, no one tells you that like graduating is super lonely. Um, you're, you know, back home, people, you don't have that many friends as you did like back on your campus. So when I did join Versi, I met so many people that are just like me in terms of the way they think and like what their mission is. Um, and I love being surrounded by people who are constantly trying to create new things, constantly, constantly trying to innovate um and i just feel very inspired when i am here which is why i really like this community let's go so hmm. (laughs) what do you what do you think like makes a community work because i feel like this is such a 
challenging thing. And I, I know that you've also done community work on like the through through the businesses that you've been a part of. Um, so like, how would you define what a community looks like when it's working well? Yeah, I think um, two things. So the community has to set intentions of like, why are these people here? Like, why are you gathered in this community? Um, and making sure that everyone has like this common goal or mission that they want to achieve. I think that um, is super important as well as curation. I think um, making sure that you have the right kind of people um, put together. Otherwise, it just won't work. Like if you mix a bunch of people um, together where they're like interested in different things or they're just not in the same mindset, um, usually that tends to fall apart very quickly, which is why um, places like, mm. you know, like WeWork, that doesn't really work as a co-working space just because everyone's just there to work. Like it's pretty random. Uh, you'll get like 50 year olds there or like a, 21 year old um whereas like a curated and very intentional community is functional because you have people who are very like-minded and similar to one another mm-hmm. so i want to get your take on this what about a space <laughs> that's intentionally about bringing together very different minded people and feel free to shoot down the idea i have no emotional attachment to this but if the intersection were to look like a co-working space, the ethos would be around a bunch of people who like a hip hop producer next to a 3D printing manufacturer next to a streetwear fashion designer next to a health technology founder and everything in between. And they want to be there because of that. Is that still like intentional or would do you low key think that wouldn't work based on your brain? I think that would definitely work so when i said people who are like-minded people who are curated i didn't mean that everyone has to be like the same profession like we're not going to gather together like 50 mm. tech bros or 50 musicians i actually versi is actually a lot about like the intersection between like creative industries as well as like business tech everything coming together and that's where like most of the interesting stuff happens um, what I meant by like, like-minded is that everyone is there for the same intention. So as you said, like if everyone right, there right. is there because they want to meet people who are different from them, that will for sure work. Um, whereas if it's like, you know, 50 of the same people, but they all have different intentions of like why they're there. Like some people want to network, some people want to just make friends, like that wouldn't really work. Um, th- did I like explain that clearly for you? Yeah, absolutely. And I agree 100%. That's always what uh, I've like, the unconventional way I've combated against these existing spaces that were kind of like siloed. Oh, the people here need to be of the same profession. Otherwise, they're not going to be able to relate. And I was like, no, it's about the intention. Like, they can be different. They just have to be there because they want that same thing, which you just said. So I'm like, okay, cool. Cool. Let's go. Exactly. Um, hmm, Hmm. Mm-hmm. No, go ahead. You. Oh, um, I mean, I was just going to say that, like, I love dealing with, like, the discomfort of the, like, undefinedness or, like, the intersections, which is, like, what this podcast is about, because I, that's what that's why I got into this kind of job, right? Like, creator economy, doing startups, because it's so undefined. I feel like the spontaneity of, like, my day to day is what interests me, whereas if I were working in like 
banking or something no hate to like my banker friends but it's like your job is very set out for you like people have been doing this for like years and years right like I don't know when Wall Street was founded but it's just been established um but for me I think I like this kind of job where my path isn't defined for me and there's a lot of like discomfort Mm. and like uncertainties there so i i really find that fascinating that's funny you say that because i also need like spontaneity and variety for me to feel fulfilled but i have friends like shout out to jason dombelli at jp morgan and he's like i love my job i love being in finance i'm like (laughs) like oh my god that could not be me but we're great friends regardless um so talking a little bit about more about like your work within the realms of marketing and creator partnerships, um, what does that look like for you on a day-to-day basis? And like, how would you describe when marketing or uh, working with creators on a one-to-one level like works well? Yeah, for sure. Um, (laughs) Yeah. So first thing, working in marketing in a startup is like every day is super different and my project scopes change every month or every quarter just because like i need to fulfill the needs of what my company um Mm -hmm. is like working on right now um but talking more specifically about like creator partnerships i um am always like doing research on different creators so i go on tiktok probably like multiple hours a day which doesn't seem like a real job like you know like my parents if they saw that they'd be like what the heck are you doing but that is part of my job I scroll for hours and hours on social media just to do like research on (laughs) research on trends and um who like the up-and-coming creators are and then in in addition to that I do a lot of outreach so like reaching out to people that I potentially want to work with Um, And then actually getting onto calls with them, discussing like strategy, how to build their brand, how to build their content over on our platform. Um, So I do a lot of different things in conclusion, (laughs) Um, but that's what makes it exciting. Yeah. Speaking of digital marketing tasks that on the surface level don't look like real work. uh, I was a part of this consumer like uh, electronic video game hardware product. And uh, one for weeks on end, sometimes I would just manually DM every one of our social media followers and just talk to them as if like I was their homie. Like, hey, how's your day going? And they were like, huh? They're like, who are you? I'm like, I'm just from the company. They're like, oh, uh, no company has ever reached out to me before just to talk on my DMs. And it turned it out being interesting because once we did that, without asking of for anything then eventually when we wanted like people to vote for us in a project or something we a, a competition or something we could circle back with them and be like yo we need your support and they'd be like sure so you're right scrolling on tiktok i think with with the way that you do it i assume is actually creative intentional work yes i most of it is <laughs> <laughs> hmm so can you tell me more about like we t- we talked a little bit before in the in the lost the lost discarded the call that went to the abyss having more human to human relationships between you on the business side and then the creators that you serve assuming your business is about creators and the creator economy so like how do you um 
you know, not, not, not create something that's so much of a transactional relationship and more like human. Yeah. Um, I think I mentioned that, you know, building that personal relationship and that bond is super important between like brand and creator. Um, there's a couple of things to that like one because you do want to like create a very friendly environment for them and like it's not make it super transactional but two because um statistically longer term partnerships are actually more successful than shorter term ones and what i mean by that is like you can just do a one-off you know sponsored tiktok with a creator that could go okay but say you have a longer term contract with them where they're making multiple TikToks or like they're spreading you across all their channels, that is actually way more effective. Um, and the way you want to do that is by actually building that personal relationship with the creator. And like, that's the only way you'll be able to do it um, is creating that bond. In terms of creating that broad bond on a broad scale, how many companies who serve the creator economy feel like, do you feel like intimately understand creators and why or why not? Yeah, um, I personally don't think many companies understand um, the point of view of creators or like their pain points. Um, and that's because I, I like not many of these executives or people in um, positions of power have actually created content themselves, um, which mm-hmm, I, mm-hmm. I'm a super big advocate of like, if you are working in the career economy, or if you are working with creators, like, you should have created some type of content in the past. Otherwise, your work is just not valid. Sorry, not sorry. Um, I you agree. Need to be, yeah. Sorry, not sorry. Mm-hmm. You need to be like sorry, in the trenches sorry. doing the work with these people. I am a strong believer of that because like, as I said, you wouldn't take fitness advice from someone who's like never been in the gym. Um, same thing with like working with creators. You shouldn't be working with creators unless you know what it takes to actually publish a piece of content, make that go viral, um, generate revenue from that, you know? So yeah, super strong believer in that. Yeah. You and I talked about how you were creating TikTok content for a while fully dedicated to that. I was all in on being a rapper for like two years when we formed this that collective around Chicago. I was a freelance videographer and like that was that's the only thing that made me comfortable joining this music tech startup of like, oh, I understand tech because I've been in that world too, but I can serve this audience because I know what it's like to be them. And I guess you're I guess you're on to something in a very general sense as well too. Like if the founders or founding teams don't have an intimate understanding from their own firsthand experience, then like, does, I don't know. What do, what do you think? Like, is that do, in your, in your personal book, do you think that should be the case for whatever the company is or is our exceptions? Um, generally, I think the most successful startups um, are when the founder is very intimately connected with the core problem or like the core mission just because it, it, when you're starting out, you're not going to reach like a big mass of people and you're only going to find um, PMF within like people who understand your niche problem or issue that you're trying to solve. So it, it's just way easier to get tap into who your crowd or like who your user base will be if you actually are very closely tied with the problem that you're trying to solve. Um, and, and like, there can be exceptions, like there are people who are going to succeed no matter what. But um, in general, I found that 
the founder who's like experienced the problem themselves will always like succeed the most. So how do you think uh, being in tech can be rebranded as more cool in general? Kind of to take a more, to go on a more funny, lighthearted question. Because uh, not just to make tech people seem cooler, but to attract talent from unconventional backgrounds. Like you post these jokes on Twitter, like, is he hot or is he just wearing something other than a Google t-shirt? Or he's at 10, but his wardrobe is only tech t-shirts. Like, that. This, I know these are jokes, but like a lot of the tech community can be lame. Like, I'm not even going to hold you. But tech itself is not lame. You know, you and I know there's nothing lame about tech. So like, what do you think? Yeah, I, if you just look at my Twitter, like, I'm a full-on tech bro hater, um, even though I do work in tech myself, which is a little bit ironic, but I think um, to all my tech people out there, like, you just need to start taking yourself less seriously. I find people who take themselves super seriously, like, to be cringe, um, if I'm being, like, super transparent with you. And I think that's where a lot of the lameness comes from, right? Because it's, like, so many of these tech people think mm. that they're so much better than the average person. They have this, like, superiority complex. Whereas I'm, I, like, I think the reason why people resonate with my tweets is because I'm super real. I like to keep it very straight up, like, uh, no frills. So, um yeah, if we want to make tech cool, we just need to start acting like normal people and stop thinking that we're this like superhuman computer types. I don't even know like how to describe it, but you get the vibe, right? Yeah, that's actually a beautiful point that um I've worked with a lot of founders in the past who uh take themselves so seriously like Okay, whether or not you are working on a world-changing product, that's cool. But if you're, like, so serious all the time, then uh, it, it like, have you, if you have to, if you've convinced yourself that you have to, like, that you're in this narrative of, like, I need to change the world. I'm Batman. Like, oh, my God. No, it's not that serious. Like, you can still change the world and be lighthearted and playful about it. Um, and then, in turn, you might end up being a more, much more pleasant fun person to be around so that's i love that that's dope <laughs> exactly for sure hmm how do we close this out um <laughs> what are your like concluding th concluding thoughts on uh like a future where where creators can uh, sustain sustain themselves through their without having to be super famous and without having to be business or marketing uh professionals like wh how do what does that future look like yeah. Um, so one thing is like, that's kind of what I'm working on at Wilder, a little bit of self promo there, but we're working on features that'll help creators monetize regardless of how many followers they have. So as long as you have good content, doesn't matter if you have five followers, um, we want you to be able to make a living out of that. So that's a problem that we're trying to tackle. And I think the more platforms like this, like Wilder, that we have, the better the creator economy is going to get in terms of like income equality, because the income inequality is actually way worse than it is in America, which is really, really scary, <laughs> um, just in terms of like creator economy. Um, but also, I'm looking forward to seeing how different creators like innovate the type of types of like income stream so not just making money from you know ad revenue or like brand sponsorships as i mentioned earlier in this podcast 
but thinking of like new ways to find money. A lot of people are making like um, online courses now that's already been popular or like selling a product of their own. But I'm excited to see like what else comes out of this um, creator economy boom. Yeah, yeah. I think with more things like Wilder and Rivet, and hopefully this gives some a lot of the creators watching this podcast right now some hope that me and Jamie having a lot of context on the business end of this in tech tools end of the creator economy like we're we're both confident that there is a way for you to as long as you are able to create good content and have some at least some handful of fans that really support you that you should be able to make a living off of that yeah and i'd say don't give up yeah it's people like you that are sustaining this economy that's why it's important it's so important to have like diversity of content out there if only like the people that were actually making an income out of this or people that were making millions were the only people making content we wouldn't have that much diversity right and it'd be so boring like you'd see the same thing over and over again on your feet but um, that's why we need to keep empowering these people who are like on the lower end of the spectrum so that we can keep getting new types of content out there. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. I guess one last caveat. I, I, maybe you I think I think you would agree with this, that the one thing you do have to focus on is creating something cool. Like you have to still make good content. You can't put out some like really dumb, bad videos and expect that you deserve people to give you money. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) Yeah, I think um, working on your content is important. Like you need to keep up your passion. I'm not saying that everyone should make money just because they put something out on the Internet, but um, I think everyone who truly believes in their craft deserves to make a living out of that. But that's beautiful, though, because there's so many talented people out there who, if they knew this was possible, they would be off to the races. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining me today. Yeah, and if you want to plug anything you, at this at this concluding thought, like uh, or any any concluding thoughts, plugs, promos, ways people can contact you. Yeah, this feels like the Hot Ones interview at the end. They're like, <laughs> plug in your promos. I don't know if you watched that, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah. Um, for me, please follow me on Twitter um, at, at It's Jamie Cho. You can DM me if you want to work together. Always looking for interesting people or creators to work with. Um, and also, um, download Wilder. We're going to be releasing a lot of cool new features soon, um, as well as like the creator monetization um, late or later this year. So keep up. Hope to talk to any of y'all soon.